Welcome on back to the Damon Bruce Show. And boy, this is an interview I've been wanting to do for a while. Welcome to Josiah Johnson, who is the executive producer of the Gilbert Arena Show, which you can catch on YouTube. And he is the king of these Twitter streets. What's going on, man? How you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much. As king of Twitter, will you ever call it X? No, uh, I'm an old-fashioned guy stuck in my way, so it'll always be Twitter to me. Uh, you know, I'm from L.A. We've got a, a spot called the Fox Hills Mall, which has since now been called Westfield Shopping Town. Still the Fox Hills Mall to me. Staples Center will still be Staples Center to me for all eternity. So, you know, as long as I say it and people know what I'm talking about, that's all that matters. What I like is that you know it drives Elon nuts every single time that he sees his website referred to as X and then it says formerly known as Twitter. I hope that happens for the next 50 to 60 years. Yeah, hopefully, I mean, he just wises up and uh, I understand the X thing, but just goes back to Twitter. That's the name we all know and love. It's still confusing now when I go on my phone to try and click on the the, the, the Twitter tab and it's got that X with like the janky, looks like my screen's cracked when I look at it, so. <laughs> well, hey man, I, I, I gotta just start with a, a compliment and I really mean this. In a world of like nasty, toxic, online, savage interactions, you have cornered the market in funny, friendly, laughing with you, not at you, like interaction. And I, I really do think that if we were out there like measuring content creators, modern comedians, however you want to bill yourself, man, like you are as state of the art as it gets. I, I don't know how you do it. You must have terabytes full of gifts just stored up, ready to go. Um, it, it's not just the jokes you tell, it's the timing in which you deliver them, which separates you from everyone, man. Oh, I appreciate you, man. For me, I just, uh, I listened to a lot of Sugar Free growing up. So he said, if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. So I try to just be as prepared as possible. But also to your point, you know, when I first started using social media and getting into this world, it was a lot more mean-spirited, more negative. And then obviously as, as I grew and, and, and my brand grew and I started to experience some of those same things that I was doing to other people, I really had to just take a step back and really just try to come at it from an angle of, you know, really having everybody involved. And also, you know, you know, when your Twitter starts to grow and expand, you get guys like Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, LeBron James, these type of people following you, you have to be a little bit more strategic and how you move and how you post. So I want this to be things that those guys can see they can laugh about in the locker room with their teammates. And really, you know, people at home too can all be a part of it and also see that you can infuse humor, comedy, satire in ways that don't have to tear other people down. Who is the latest like, oh shit follow that you looked at and you're like, oh shit, they're following me? Wow. Uh, honestly, man, like Chris Hayes, like there's just random, random people from different spaces, political and other things that I'm interested in that have got on board as well. And, you know, I did some work with Ava DuVernay. So getting the Ava follow was always a big, big deal. You know, John Legend, another person too, who I've grown up just admiring his music and, and just been a big fan of his from afar. So we've been able to connect through social media. So it's just cool to see. And I tell people this all the time that, you know, if you want to connect with some of your favorite people, influencers, whoever there may be celebrities, social media is a great tool, great vehicle, because you will get noticed. And it's crazy to see that those people take time out of their day to see the stuff that I'm posting, that they appreciate the stuff that I'm posting. So it keeps me motivated and keeps me going. Where'd you get your sense of humor from? Uh, it's a family thing. Uh, everywhere from my dad, uh, Marcus Johnson, who played in the NBA for, for a number of years. Uh, currently works with the Milwaukee Bucks, my older brother, Chris, even on down to my younger brothers and sisters. I think we've always just used humor as a mechanism uh, to bring the family together. Dad's, you know, hilarious guy, always cracking jokes. 
always finding the humor and everything. So I think that just translated on down to the, the, the rest of the family tree. One of the funniest things I saw this past weekend was when Aaron Rodgers was throwing out on the field and then you busted out that guy dancing at the gas station. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Like, did you, did you have that one lock loaded and ready to go for an Achilles injury? Like, how did you say I need, uh, that's the video that I need to attach to this. So I spent so much time online, man, so much time looking at clips that I'll see some stuff and I'll just kind of put it in my memory bank and have it ready to go at the particular moment. I never know when or where that moment's going to be, but woke up Sunday, uh, you know, I was literally, I think, at my one of my kids' t-ball games and, uh, you know, checking Twitter, as I periodically do whenever I'm doing stuff out in the real world. Saw the clip of him dropping back, throwing passes, and that Achilles, you know, looked, looked sharp. I know he had that the special type of surgery that's supposed to speed up the process, but I think it's been crazy to see just how fast he's been able to do a lot of things, whether that's walking normally or whatever it may be. So when I see stuff like that, mine just starts churning, starts working. I start thinking about the appropriate clip for that particular moment. And then for me, I don't really, you know, go with any intentions of I want stuff to go viral, whatever it may be. It's just stuff that I think is humorous, stuff that I think other people may find funny. So I just put it out into the world and see what kind of response that it gets. How are those T-ball games going? I'm a father of a four-year-old and a two-year-old. So I got T-ball coming down my lane quickly here any any advice for a man who's going to be spending hours of his life at future t-ball games so i've, I've got a six and a four-year-old man so that thing is uh it, it's fully locked in it's like four to five practices a week two games a week they play on sundays so it's crazy my sundays are, are hectic like the weekends are are crazier than the weeks now i got one one had a game at 8 30 in the morning one had a game at 1 p.m so you really just got to pace yourself moderate try to get as much rest <laughs> as possible be as locked in as possible and those things get get super heated uh, you got parents that, uh, you know, are very, very invested in their kids and sometimes a little too invested. So that that shows itself out there on the field. So for me, I just like to keep a laid back mood, have fun, really make sure the kids are having fun. And, you know, they're young now. So there's tons of time. I, you know, I do a lot of coaching, too, on the high school side as well. So you see kind of when it starts to turn from just a game that's fun, that people enjoy to like now it's serious, competitive. And one thing with me, I just want to make sure my kids are always happy, having a good time. So I don't want to try to live vicariously through them. As long as they're enjoying it, I'm enjoying it. I want them to know that I'm going to be as big a part of their sports careers as they want me to be. There you see, look at that. That's, that is the correct answer, by the way. I uh, love the sign that they have at some of the uh, Little League. Yeah. <laughs> like, this isn't Yankees Red Sox. Don't turn it into that, yeah. please. You know what I mean? No, no vulgarity. They're just kids. And I appreciate that kind of stuff. I think a lot of more people need to take it to heart. And find that balance. Believe me, I'm a competitive guy as well. You know, played college basketball, so I understand that side of it. But also for me, it's like I want these kids to all be having a good time. They can worry about that stuff down the road. They got a lot more life to live. So at this point, it should just be enjoyable memories and not treating it like it's the World Series. By the way, uh, on the shelf behind me, I don't know if you can see it right now. There's a lot of Indiana stuff up there. I'm a Hoosier okay. guy. Okay. Once UCLA hits the Big Ten, uh, can I use you as the greatest living UCLA alumni uh, to get me tickets for that first Indiana game at Pauley? I want to be there. I'm trying to finagle some tickets as well. You know, I've got a few contacts, a few plugs, so I'll definitely be trying to reach out and exploit those. It's funny. I was uh, I went to the UCLA football game this weekend and uh, ended up connecting with a buddy of mine who who does some work uh, with Deion Sanders and, and his crew. So I ended up getting tickets for the Colorado side, but literally the best tickets I've ever gotten in my life. So. It was, it was wild to see that, you know, just, again, through the power of social media, the power of connecting with people, I'm literally on the field, but I had to go sit on the Colorado side. Wasn't cheering for them, but it was, uh, you know, nice to see the Bruins get that win this weekend.
Absolutely. How, dude, how about the fact that uh, Colorado got some jewelry gaffled from them? You see that? Yeah, it was crazy. I, I mean, I, I left the game a little bit early, saw that video, I think the next morning. But just looking at the setup there, I think it wouldn't be terribly difficult during the game <laughs> to sneak into that locker room. I want to say it was the tightest security, so I could understand uh, where they were coming from. I want to talk about the show that you do with Josiah or that you do with Gilbert Josiah. It's, it's, it's a great show and it's more than just basketball that you guys are talking about. Um, it, it is, it's some of the best sports conversation in general that I've seen out there. I, I, when Gilbert about a week ago was talking about how modern media has twisted and bent some of the rules and definitions, which means the past We'll never have the future catch up with it. And they're almost protective of NBA past. Like I never even thought, and I think about sports all the time. You know, I hosted a radio show for 18 years, like thinking of new ways to talk about shit is all I'm ever doing. Yep. And when he said, you know, they've eliminated the position of center from all-star ballots. How's anyone ever going to get Kareem? How's everyone, anyone ever going to catch up with Hakeem in terms of all-star nods? I'm like, you know, I never even thought of that, but Gilbert's right about that. No, Gil is a, a mad scientist, and I know he's very polarizing. You either love him or you hate him, but I don't think people realize how much uh, energy, effort, research, how much deep dives he takes in just to understanding the game, breaking down the game. I think that's a testament, too, to who he was as a player, talking about a guy who was a second-round pick, uh, not a lot expected out of him. They literally had to put a provision in the CBA because he got so good in his first two seasons with the Warriors that he ended up signing a, a huge deal, $60-plus million deal with the Wizards, so the Warriors weren't able to retain him. But that just shows the, the work ethic and energy. You talk to Gil about those times, and he'll literally tell you, you know, I was so poor in my first two seasons in the league that I just stayed at the facility. So I stayed at the facility watching film, working out, consuming as much basketball as possible, and that's reflected even with the show now. He's one of the hardest-working people that I've ever seen. I like to think that I worked hard, but, you know, we just, we'll just we do a two-, three-hour stream. After that three-hour stream, he'll go do another two- to three- to four-hours of, of, of content, breaking down games, whatever it may be. But he's so in tune and so plugged into the game and the world and the way his mind works. And, uh, you know, I grew up watching 90s, 2000s basketball. So for me, I feel like that's the pinnacle, like a lot of people who grew up in that time frame. But as you get older, you start to look, you start to really, you know, peel the surface back and, and recognize that a lot of stuff he's saying is true. The game has evolved. Players are better than ever. You know, a lot of those guys that we looked at as stars in those times would not be able to compete in these days. Of course, there's guys from that era and that generation that would be fine in this era and generation. But guys have gotten faster, quicker, stronger, and I think that's also a testament to how much impact that those guys in the 80s, 70s, 60s, and 90s had on the game of basketball and the influence that they had, and, and the game continued to grow and expand. So it's amazing to see where the game's at now. Ultimately, I have a ton of love and respect for previous generations, but also have to understand that the way the game has shifted, like we really don't have that center position anymore. We think about the Patrick Ewings and Hakeems and Shaqs and all those people that used to dominate back in those days. Now we've got Joker, you know, Bam, Embiid, if you want to call him a center, Giannis playing more of a power forward that kind of delves in that center role. But the game has changed and the players have changed so much. I mean, look at a guy like Wimby, 7'4", traditionally back in the day, you're a center. I don't think you'll right. play any center in his NBA career, maybe just out of necessity. But talking about a guy who was a small forward, power forward, you know, and just what an oxymoron that is to call a guy seven foot four, a small forward. But that's how he moves on the court. He's bringing the ball up. So it's crazy to see the impact that this game had. I think you can really trace it back to the dream team and the role that they played, you know, playing the Olympics at the highest stage, being the first team, I think, of professional basketball players to come out of America and, and play there and, and what impact that had. And now 30 years later, 
we're seeing the long-term impact and effect that that had on the game of basketball and the sport where you have guys from all over the world. You got Joker now who's arguably the best player in the world coming from Serbia. I don't think anybody would have imagined that 20, 30 years ago, but this is where the game is at. So you just got to love it, appreciate it, and just hope that the game continues to evolve and grow. In what year do you think we crossed the threshold of international players being the majority in the NBA? It's why it's funny. It's actually something we're going to talk about on the show tomorrow. I saw the stat that I think it was like 125 international players on opening day rosters, which is the most in NBA history. Every team has at least one international player, which again, back in the day, you know, other than like the Jaws and Petrovics and guys like that, you know, Arvidas a bonus when he came over, but he was, you know, my dad talks about Arvidas back in the day before he came to the league, before he blew his knees out and, you know, dunk it from free throw line and just what an amazing player he was. To now you're seeing guys that, you know, are dominating the MVP voting, guys like Giannis, Luka, uh, Joker as well, Embiid, who, who, was, who was born, you know, in, in Cameroon, but now is an American citizen. But I think it's it, it, it's it's a lot closer than I think we as American Hoopers want to uh, acknowledge. I think we still obviously have the most talented uh, players on the, on the earth, but we're getting caught up with very soon. So I think it's going to keep growing and it's going to reach that point where it's exponential. I think it's good for the game too, good for the growth of the game. You know, I know the league has talked about expanding, uh, adding a Vegas team and a Seattle team, but hopefully we get into more kind of international growth. I know we have teams in Canada, but it'd be nice to see some teams in Mexico. Absolutely. You know, South America eventually go across the water and really get to a, a point where that league is like 40, 50 teams, but teams from all across the globe. Look, it, it it only gets bigger, right? It only gets bigger. And by the way, you know, I used to talk to Steve Kerr an awful lot. And, uh, you know, everyone would ask him, well, who would win? Your Jordan Bulls or these Warriors? And he would always say, look, man, sports doesn't go backwards in a time machine. It only goes forward, you know, and, and you could take a few players from that era and plop them in here. But the amount of guys you could take from this era to plop back there, it, it would be remarkable to see how these players played in a, a, a grimier, nastier, grabbier, more physical NBA. Maybe they'd get beaten up on the court, but yeah. um, again, they never saw a seven foot four guy with a handle shooting threes either. So it's exactly it, it's amazing watching the evolution. Uh, back to Gilbert and the show that you guys put together. H how'd you find each other? Who put that together? I know you're the executive producer, but does he call you? Do you call him? How did it happen? So we connected, uh, I think, 2021, a few years ago. So Gil's a year older than me. We both played high school basketball in the San Fernando Valley here in L.A. So I'd always been super familiar with Gil, very big fan of him and his game. Uh, one of my earliest experiences, I was a 10th grader at Crenshaw High School. He was a junior at Grant, uh, played Crenshaw in the playoffs. I think Grant was like the 16th seed. Crenshaw, I want to say, was the one. But Gil had like 40 points in that game. So I'm watching this guy who's literally – Crenshaw had this uh, full-court press – that was notorious for just, you know, demoralizing teams. He was breaking it single-handedly going coast to coast. And you're looking at this guy. Nolan this, Richardson, 40 minutes of hell on you in a high school um, game? Yeah, I mean, it, but it, that's literally what it was. Like, it, it was nonstop, relentless. Uh, you know, you would see guys, you know, even like the, the highest level of players that, that would, would succumb to it. And Gills out there going coast to coast, full-court layups, ended up having like 40 and three-quarters, got hurt, so did played a limited amount in the fourth quarter. So I'd always been a fan of him. And then obviously at Arizona, uh, when he was at Arizona, I was at UCLA. I followed his game. But it turns out uh, we ended up uh, both living in the Valley in Woodland Hills. I live literally three minutes away from him. So I, I'd be jogging around the neighborhood. I'd always see him in one of his luxury vehicles. We kind of just give each other the nod, say what's up. Uh, he was had a, We have another show we do called No Chill with Fubo Sports. So they were looking for a new host. So we ended up connecting uh, through my agent, Gina Paradiso. 
she made the connection uh and we just hit it off right off top so started doing no chill still do that as well but then we got the opportunity to go do gills arena with underdog fantasy so it was an opportunity that we couldn't pass up on so for me just to get an opportunity to work with gill uh in no chills just me and him interviewing guests so even in that capacity starting to understand his basketball mind and brain and then with gills arena more of a daily you know talk show just seeing how, how strong his mind moves how, how locked into the game he is it's the greatest job that i've ever had and i wouldn't trade it for the world uh, with your profile being just almost universally liked on social media which is a very hard thing to accomplish with Gilbert's profile being a former NBA player, uh, you know, that, that that has always had a little controversy about him, which just makes him interesting in my mind. And believe me, they still got love for Agent Zero here yeah, yeah. In, in Northern California. Those Warriors teams stunk, but he didn't. Exactly. Um, uh, it, do you have a great white whale guest that you've not been able to book? Who is the target that no matter how many times you shoot, you still can't hit it? Uh, it's just, I mean, really it just comes down to scheduling. Like, uh, you know, somebody like a Dame Litter, I think would be a dream. Uh, Gil's had some, some opinions about Giannis that I think a lot of people have misconstrued and misunderstood, but that would be another person that we would love to get on the show. But I think for us, it's just seeing the response that we've gotten from the basketball community everywhere we go. Uh, you know, people are watching the show. Uh, you know, this summer we had Zion Williamson. He kind of just made a impromptu appearance on the show unannounced unexpected but we had uh, Xavier Tillman from the Memphis Grizzlies who was actually on the show at that point and just him telling us he listens to the show every day he listens to it you know driving to games and how many guys around the league we we're out in Vegas for summer league uh staying at the wind which is kind of the epicenter for NBA summer league and just seeing all the dudes from different teams that love the show uh we were recording uh shows out there at, at Blue Wire Studio they have this big glass window that goes to the lobby of the win and just all the guys that would walk by banging on the window, you know, guys like Mikhail Bridges and just, just people you would never expect to watch the show and roll with the young guys, old guys. I do some coaching in the high school space. You know, I'll go to high school games and the kids are staring at me from other teams saying that they watch the show. So just to see the love that we've gotten from people of all ages. And I think it's because we're real, we're authentic. We, we created this show and we, we wanted to bring it to market. We wanted to provide something that was different than shows that you know, that you see all the time and and no shot to those shows we have tons of respect for them but i think the personality the conversations the the deeper dives that we're able to take in and around the game and when you have the perspective of somebody like gill three-time all nba player somebody like kenya martin the former number one overall pick uh you know that did everything he did in the league somebody like brandon jennings who was an original trendsetter going overseas out of high school and playing in italy instead of going to college and then rashad mccants as well who's a national champion in North Carolina, you know, and everything that he's been able to do and just his perspective, in addition to people like Lexi Brown, who's a WNBA champion, we just have such a robust roster of talent that that has so much different unique perspectives and understand the aspects of the game. So I think we're just providing a, a quality offering that you really can't get at the risk else. of anyone jumping on an idea that you might offer right here what's next for you, man? Where does this go for you as either a host or executive producer? Um, if I gave you an infinity budget that could go in any direction, is there a, a certain story that you'd like to tell or an element of the league or somewhere else in sports that you don't think is covered enough? Um, you hit the Powerball. What do you do next? I mean, I feel like I've already hit the jackpot. So to, to be perfectly honest with you, uh, love doing this show. We were doing three days a week last season. We're doing four days a week now. Uh, I anticipate at some point we'll start doing five days a week. It's just been crazy to see the demand for the show and, and how much people love it. 
Uh, we're on at 11.30 a.m. Pacific every day. And, you know, that's prime work hours on the East and West Coast. Uh, routinely have 15 to 20,000 people watching at any given time, which for me is like it's a dream come true. So I wouldn't trade this for the world, man. I'm super happy with this. You gave me an unlimited budget. I would just be flying out bigger time guests like we need LeBron on there. We need Steph. We need we already got Steph. We need Steph again. We need Giannis. We need, you know, the biggest name. We need to get Joker at some point. And it's crazy, too, to see when these guys come on the show that they're, 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 you know, how comfortable they are because they're around people that understand the things that they've went through that have played basketball at the highest level. So we know how to approach them. We're not really big into the gotcha moments or any of that type of stuff or controversy. We just really like to talk the game. And from that game, you know, from those talks, we see clips going viral of stuff you would least expect. And for me as a host and executive producer, my role is really to get, get them excited about talking about different things or correlating. You know, we may have a conversation about the Lakers or the Kings or Steph or whatever it may be, but for them to draw parallels to their own careers, start telling stories of things that they dealt with that were similar. And that's when I know that we've got a good show. So every day, I like to say, I'm going fishing. Uh, you know, we have the, the the topical moments and things that we need to discuss on the show. But from those topical talks, what are the things that are deeper conversations that we can drive, you know, that, that really help control the news cycle, control what people are talking it, about? It's a conversation that starts in sports, but it goes a lot of places. That's what I admire. That's what I'm looking yeah. to create with the shows that I do, with the interviews that I have. Just let's start talking and see what happens. You don't want to if you if you plan it all, it won't be natural. And you guys are really, you're uncensored, you're uninhibited, and it just, it's a great show. It's a really, really good show. I congratulate you. Lots of future success with it. Did you see Steph Curry hit Dylan Brooks with a home alone? Oh, yeah. See, it was it was the Home Alone, the Scream. Uh, I forget who the artist is. Van Gogh. Uh, you know I mean? Van Gogh. Yeah, Van, Van Gogh. Yeah, Van Gogh. I think I was going to say Van Gogh, but but uh, or was it Van Gogh? Like uh, yeah, you call it Van Gogh. Van Gogh. Yeah, you know. But for me, I just I love the game. You know, I'm I'm so heavy on social media and Twitter that I see all these moments, and it's kind of like overload. I think about back in the days when we didn't have the ability to process information this fast. So we really had to rely on whatever was trending a viral topical, but I love just taking deep dives on the Twitter, finding out the most random information. And just in terms of show to your point you were making before, I, uh, I'm a workaholic. So I do so much prep, so much research in preparation for the show, but I tell our crew the same thing every episode. It's like, look, I've got a list of questions. If I ask all these questions, that's, that means we failed. Like at no point do I, do I ever want to, make a list of 20 questions and ask all 20. I may get to five to seven of them. And then there's 10 follow-ups from something completely unexpected. The conversation has gone on this, this completely off course, off kilter thing. But for me, it's my job to always find a way to, to bring it back and, you know, weave it back into whatever we're talking about on a particular day. But it's so fun to me to walk into work every day and not know what's going to be, you know, the quote unquote viral moment or the thing that everybody's talking about. Sometimes you go in, you have a feel for, all right, this is going to be, important but talk about that Steph celebration then it, it turned into a whole conversation about Dylan Brooks and his value to the league and you know guys like that in history and it's just it's just crazy to see you know where we're able to go every single day but for me like I said we go two two and a half hours live every day it's the best two and a half hours of my day other than spending time with my family but you know most shows you know people don't realize like tv shows if you're talking two and a half hours that's like a three and a right. half hour show they're, they're building in commercial breaks they're doing about 42 to 44 minutes every hour. We're doing every hour that we're on. We're on two and a half hours. We are literally on two and a half. We're not taking any bathroom breaks. We're not stopping. So that can present problems in itself. But 
it's it's great to see just the flow of the show and, and every show is a new adventure you get to talk to a lot of players, and I'll tell you, players are smart now. They know not to bite the hand that feeds them when it comes to saying NBA. I don't know about that idea. In the off-the-record conversations you've had with players around the league, what feelings are you really getting about this created in-season tournament? Look, I think guys like to play basketball. I mean, I think at the end of the day, if you make the championship, that's one additional game. I think you get compensated accordingly for that, so I'm sure – just like everybody else in their professional life who doesn't like the opportunity to get more money to do something that they were going to do anyway. I, I don't know how, how excited or, or down guys aren't. I've heard mixed reviews. Some guys are super excited about it and the opportunity, you know, to play for something. Uh, obviously, it mirrors a lot of stuff that you see in soccer. So I'm, I'm a reasonably big soccer fan. So you love, you know, UEFA Cup and all these different cups and things that they have going on, you know, Champions League, all that type of stuff. Like, you enjoy those type of things. So, you know, I, even back in the day, the McDonald's used to do the, uh, like the, the world champion tournaments. I remember the bulls and the Spurs went overseas and played against like the league champions from other, other leagues across the country. So I think this in season tournament, uh, I'm not I'm super excited about it, but it'll be cool to see teams actually playing for something. I think the NBA has done a tremendous job with the marketing promotion of it. I know they're rolling out the new courts. I just saw that drop today. And then to be able to have something in Las Vegas too, which is obviously the entertainment, capital of, of, of America, if not the world, just in terms of everybody wants to go to Vegas anyway, Sin City. So to have those the semifinals and championship game there, I think it'll do good for the league. I don't think, obviously, it's not going to be as huge as the finals or anything like that, but it gives uh, fans something to be excited about early in the season, and this is a long season, let's just face it. So as much as you can do and the NBA can do to keep people locked in and entertained, I'm all for it. Thanks so much for coming on today, man. I've appreciated your work online since the day I started following you. Um, when, when you followed me back and we started talking a little bit, you've always been very supportive, especially when I got kicked in the teeth a few months back. And I really appreciate that. For a guy who I'm meeting for the first time right now, it's funny. You get this false relationship that happens over social media. I'm glad it bore out to a real relationship in this conversation. Josiah, I wish you the very best of success with everything you do going forward, man. You got the golden touch. So keep it up and congratulations. I appreciate you. And I don't, I don't want to say false relationship. I think social media is a great vehicle in addition to creating content, doing all those things, just the people that you meet, the people that have like-minded interests or in the same field and things as you. And it's funny, I talk to people on social media more than I talk to my own family. So it's always cool. To, to connect with somebody and really it's kind of a genuine relationship. We don't really know what each other looks like, or we've never seen each other in real life. So you're just talking about things you're mutually interested in, but then you have the opportunity to obviously expand those relationships into the real world. And I've made a ton of friends and it's and another thing being in the NBA Twitter space, right? You know, I'm a LeBron fan. So going at Steph Curry fans, but some, some Steph fans are some of my closest friends. So you have to be able to separate the basketball and all that stuff from just like the real world. And it's funny, I got a lot of Warriors fans that hate my guts. And then you meet them in real life. It's like, oh, man, this dude's a cool dude. Like, you know, I'm like, I'm, and I feel the same way about them. So never want to take this stuff too serious. So I see people fighting and battling each other and arguing each other. And sometimes they're my friends that are on different sides. And it's like, do you guys know that if you guys just talk to each other, you would be, you have so much of the same things in common, so many of the same interests that you're going to let, let who you think the goat is like make you want to fight somebody or make you want to hate somebody? Like, it, it's wild. So, I appreciate you giving me the time to pop on the show. It was great to connect with you, and I wish you all the best. Thank you so much, Josiah. Have a great day, man.